0: We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's Sermon Podcast. Hey, we release Sermon Podcast weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. Somebody tell me what the name of the Lord is. Amen. I'm glad you know who he is. Yes. Amen. Yes. Brother Fuller, if you'd stick your head out there and blow the, blow the Sunday school trumpet. <laughs> Amen. As you uh, all know, we are in our third week. Maybe the last one, there's another. I, I have another one written, but I think we will probably conclude today because if we don't have it after today, we will probably need divine intervention and fire from heaven, and, uh, and so we'll just see how this goes, so I want us to just pray right now and ask the Lord to open up our heart, some of you said, well, I know who the Lord is, I know who Jesus is, I know, I know how it all works out and how it all went down, but you may have a revelation, but if you ever get cornered, you got to know why you know, because I can promise you, everybody else knows why they believe what they believe, And you don't believe it because the preacher said it. Amen? Man can fail you. You don't believe it just because you go to some church that believes that. You believe it because you have a revelation. Until you have a revelation, you don't believe it. Amen? That goes with all things spiritual. Amen. So let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for a revelation of truth from your word. I ask you to touch every man, every woman, every young person in this auditorium. Bless our classes today from the nursery up to the the youth, wherever they may be today. Bless those that are working over, preparing already for our meal. Just help us today. Go with us and let us get through this with clear understanding. We trust you. We believe you. And we expect it all in your perfect and matchless name of Jesus Christ we pray and let's give the Lord one good hand clap before we're seated. Come on, do it like you mean it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Very quickly a recap whether he was led astray by his own spiritual ambition or or did not want any name that uh, was higher than his own. We we have read the historical facts of somewhere in or about 323 A.D. That Roman Empire uh, emperor, rather Constantine, uh, had a passage of scripture delivered to him that caused him to think that there was more than one deity, more than one God that caused him to start something that has lasted for 17 generations, uh, centuries, rather plus. and it's been one of the greatest battles in the Christian uh, world. And the more people I talk to, the more people I realize believe there really is only one God. They've just never understood the hows and whys. And uh, so this uh, will help us a little bit. The, the verse that uh, was, uh, we'll just say, uh, understood incorrectly and then the Bible goes on many, many times, some 400 verses uh, to, to share this truth, was the very words of Jesus Christ. The enemy took the Bible and tried to deceive a world with Matthew 28 and 19 Where Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Well, when his uh, writers came back who would uh, later uh, write and amend a lot of things and uh, uh, they would be over and the head of the Catholic Church at that time in Rome, uh, there was so many things uh, missed in that uh, original Uh, Greek writing setting where it says in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so these three uh, titles, which there are over 300 that are given to the Lord, uh, over 300 titles, these are three. The Father of Creation, the Son in Redemption, and the Holy Ghost in the church today. And so when Jesus says this, and I'm going to have to work quick through this little portion. When Jesus says this, it's not his time to die yet. He, he needed to, to prove some things. And, uh, of course, at this point he already has. But leading up to, uh, to this, he needed to prove some things. How, why would you follow a God that said he is the creator of all things if he can't control the wind? So he proved that. If he didn't create life, so he proved that. If he couldn't control death, so he proved that. If he couldn't heal a withered hand, so he proved that. If he couldn't turn out uh, club feet, so he'd done that. He couldn't take away leprosy. So he proved who he was through all of his actions to prove he had dominion and complete authority over everything known to humanity and so if he had just popped right out the first day of his ministry which was three and a half years uh, long and said hey I am God I am the express image of the unseen God that you've known from the Old Testament he would have been crucified immediately never been able to prove who he was or lead them to know his power and so this was a process And so, so far we have talked about these things, who is redeemer we found out that Uh, God of the Old Testament, the unseen spirit, declared to the writers and the Old Testament prophets that he was the redeemer and he was the only redeemer. Anybody remember reading that? Then we got into the New Testament. Jesus Christ said he is the redeemer and the only redeemer. I don't think we've got an argument here. I don't think we've got Old Testament new debating over this. The one God, the Old Testament unseen God, the Spirit said he was the only God and there was none other. Jesus said the same. Who is everlasting? God. Jesus said the same. The Creator, the Old Testament Spirit of the unseen God, said he was the Creator. Jesus Christ said the same. The Old Testament unseen God said, he was first and he was last. There was none before him, none after him. Jesus Christ made that same exact claim. So if you don't believe that Jesus is the Lord, then you must believe exactly what the Jews believed, that he was an imposter and a liar and died fitting. We don't believe that, though. We don't believe that. And so we're just going to go a little farther. Well, we'll start off with a verse that we ended last week. We'll carry it from there. 1 John 5 and 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. The Word, what is the Word? The Word right there would take the place in the titles of the Son, because in John one and one, the Bible said, "In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God." Verse fourteen says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us." Amen. So that would be Jesus Christ, who would be, uh, if there were, if there were three, the word Son right there would fit in with the Word. Are there three manifestations? There are many more than three manifestations. A manifestation where God is showing who he is and what he is at that place. That that is like a magnification of his power and authority. We saw it in the Old Testament in the Ark of the Covenant. Then we see it in the New Testament in Christ Jesus. That's a manifestation of the Old Testament spirit of God. He was still God everywhere while he was all God in flesh. Just because he was in the flesh of Jesus Christ does not mean he didn't still exist everywhere. That's just that's a manifestation of the one great God. So the phrase bear record, it's referring to those manifestations, Father, Word, and Holy Ghost. And these three are one. You can debate a lot of things. That verse is not one of them. The next word that we're going to cover, we accidentally covered a little portion of it uh, once. It's hard not to do that sometimes, but we'll go quickly to Deuteronomy 32 and uh, 1. And you'll have to listen quick uh, because I told you last week there's a lot of information here. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak; and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain; my speech shall distill as the dew as the small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass because I will publish the name of the Lord. This is the Lord speaking through a writer. I'll publish the name of the Lord, ascribe you greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. What do you call him in verse four? Call him the rock. Listen, what's 2 Samuel 22, 1 through 3. And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all of his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock, in him will I trust He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. Now, please note, David is in the Old Testament. Uh, He's he's only knowing what is spirit. Jesus Christ had not yet come to the earth to live. He had not been uh, manifest in the flesh yet. 2 Samuel 22 and 32, for who is God? Save the Lord. And who is a rock? Save our God. That's another question. Psalm 18 and 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength. In whom will I trust? My buckler and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. He says it again. Psalm 31 and 1 through 3. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust, still speaking into the Old Testament, still speaking into uh, the unseen God. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for an house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress Therefore for thy name's sake Lead me and guide me I think somebody's trying to establish That God is the rock Psalm 78 and 34 When he slew them Then they sought him And they returned and inquired early after God And they remembered that God was their rock You hear that? And the high God, their redeemer. So now here's two, two more titles. Rock and redeemer. Titles of God. Psalm eighty nine twenty six. He shall cry unto me, thou art my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. God is the only rock of salvation. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 28 and 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God. Listen to this. Behold I lay in Zion I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone a tried stone a precious cornerstone a sure foundation he that believeth shall not make haste Oh did you hear that Watch this Acts 4:11 now we're in the New Testament We've been through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We've been through the history of Jesus, his life and his death, his resurrection, his ascension. He sent his spirit back now in Acts 2. So now there's a spirit-filled experience post after Jesus has already ascended back into heaven. We find this in Acts 4 and 11. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven uh, given among men whereby we must be saved. God said, I'm going to lay a stone. I will be there. I will lay the stone. Jesus Christ became that stone and the apostle is writing and preaching about him right now. And he's saying that Jesus Christ is that stone that was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. Watch this. And that he is the chief cornerstone. So Isaiah's prophecy is coming to pass here and they said there is no salvation found in any other name. All right? 1 Corinthians 10 and 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you'd be ignorant for how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Oh, this is good right here. Somebody I'll just almost get ready to shout. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meal. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. Oh, Now wait a minute. We're talking Moses in the wilderness here. We're talking after 400 years of bondage. And the writer, Paul, tells the church, the church that has a Pentecostal experience, post-day of Pentecost, they've they've repented, they've been baptized in his name, they have been filled with the Spirit, and the writer says this right here. "If If you don't believe these writings, then first, you can't believe the Bible, And then 13 books in the New Testament this same writer wrote. And so here's what he says. Who did he say was the rock that followed them in the wilderness? Oh, that was weak. Does the Bible say that Jesus Christ followed them and was that rock? Boy, that ought to be some pretty good understanding right there. That puts Jesus Christ in the Old Testament as the unseen spirit of God. Oh, now see, we're talking about Jesus, flesh and blood, not an unseen spirit. Listen to Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. God said he was going to be that. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the spirit. Here's what they're saying. Yes, there was a flesh. Yes, he was the rock. He was the cornerstone. The builder of the church. And now we get to enjoy being filled with his spirit. A spirit is unseen. How is Jesus unseen if he's a man? Because he's not only just the man Christ Jesus, he's also the unseen God of the Old Testament and the Holy Ghost in the New Testament. And he has a name. Woo. Earlier we read that God was a cornerstone. Now the flesh of the man Jesus is a cornerstone. And now the Holy Ghost is the spirit of that stone. Uh. Let me just behave and finish up here. First Peter 2, 6 through 8. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Did you hear that? Amen. You're not going to be all mixed up and confused and messed up. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which is disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Here's what what the Bible's saying. Here's what the writer is saying. If you don't believe this, You'll be just like those of old that crucified him, and his name and his existence will become a stumbling block to you because you don't know who he is. Boy, we've been 17 centuries of stumbling. It's just saying Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Amen? So we've read where God is the only rock. Now we've read where Jesus is the only rock. I still submit to you there's not an argument in Scripture. There's not a debate. The Bible said that he is not the author of confusion. A man read the book. A man got things mixed up. People got things messed up. You won't ever find anywhere except in Rome when Constantine come and said, "Hey, there's three. We got to call on all of them when we baptize." And he demanded that all of Rome be rebaptized in the titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You will not find one place in scripture. Not one. Where anybody's baptized that way. Now, am I saying everybody baptized that way is going uh, to hell or they're lost or they're incomplete? Here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you what the word says. I'm not telling you my opinion, my idea. I don't know about granny. and gra- I'm not the judge. I'm not the king. I'm not the master. I'm not God. Here's what I know. I can read the word and I understand where it came from. Too many times we don't like to accept the truth because someone we love didn't adhere to that truth. You let those people be judged for what they knew and what their revelation was, and you make sure you get a hold of what you can learn. Build on that. So we read where God's the only rock. Now we've read where Jesus declares and those that follow him, he's the only rock. Let's go quickly to another word for, for another time. Watch this. Psalm 23 and 1, the Lord is my shepherd. That's the unseen God, the spirit of the Old Testament. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isaiah 40 and 10. Somebody said, the Lord is my shepherd. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him. Listen, talking about the Old Testament God. And his arm shall rule for him because his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm one hundred one through five, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord He is God. It is He that hath made us Old Testament, unseen God, it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Right now we've got one God. We've got one shepherd in the Old Testament. We've got one rock in the Old Testament. John 10, 8 through 11... All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear him. Now we're in the New Testament, the flesh of Jesus Christ. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. We've got another big argument in heaven. Come on, somebody said you're cherry picking. No, I can go. I can go. I can go hundreds of verses on you. We are already uh, over a hundred. But I can go hundreds of verses just like this right here. The Old Testament unseen God said, I'm the shepherd. There's not any more. The other ones that would come as a shepherd came as thieves to steal and kill. Jesus Christ said, I am the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. What did Jesus do? He gave his life. 1 Peter 2 and 21. For even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth who when he was reviled reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him that judges rightly what's that saying pastor that confuses me all he's saying is the flesh is still committed to the plan of the unseen eternal spirit that's not a confusion right there. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. Who did that? That we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Who took stripes? For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. Who is the shepherd? The Old Testament unseen God said he's the only shepherd. The entire New Testament after the spirit falls said there's only one shepherd and that shepherd's got a name. His name is Jesus. And if you find salvation in any other name, it's not salvation. Oh, my, my, my. Jesus is the shepherd of our soul. 1 Peter 5 and 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth away. This is talking about the rapture of the church. This is talking about the end of time, the end of days. And so the, the prophetic word right here says, when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. God is the rock. Jesus is the rock. God is the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. I want to tell you as, as we draw to a, a little bit of a conclusion about this whole thing for this day. I want you to understand that he was God in the flesh. He was the, the Bible said the express image of the unseen spirit of God. Another place says the unseen God, the manifestation of the unseen spirit. If I was looking to find favor, if I was looking to have the promises that come along with bearing the name of God, I would, I would do it in every way. The Bible said, everything you do in word and deed, do in the name of Jesus. When people pray, how do they pray? A lot of times they don't, but most of the time, if you want a name, if you want some if you want him to know who you're talking to, you call on his name. It's why we baptized his name. It's why we bury the dead in his name. It's why we dedicate our children in his name. It's why we send our children off to school in a dangerous society in his name. It's, come on, somebody hear what I'm telling you. When you call the name of Jesus, that's biblical. Maybe you didn't know this but George Foreman was a uh, a professional boxer and a world champion uh, several times over and Uh, Has a ranch, maybe still down here in Marshall, Texas. I think he lives in Houston now. But uh, he was a a man that had a revelation. He was a preacher at one time, pastored in the Assemblies of God. He started to have a a revelation about Jesus and everything that he would do. He would do in the name of Jesus. I think you'll be able to Google if you want to a little later. Uh, Not right now, but maybe when the service is over. And find his quote. He was interviewed after a fight one time, and they said, uh, George, uh, Big George, said, How can you get in the ring like that and just, and just have a, uh, you know, uh, the mentality? He was fighting Evander Holyfield after coming out of retirement, and, and uh, you know, Holyfield uh, foreman said, He kicks like, he hits you like a horse kicked. I mean, he spoke very highly of, of Holyfield and his strength and his authority. And so they said, well, Big George said, you've been training a long time. You're looking good. I think he was almost 50 years old. I know he's up in his 40s. And and they said, you've been training uh, hard. You're, you're looking good. And, uh, uh, you know, how, what, what are you going to do? And uh, so he told them how he was going to try to execute this fight. Someone help our guests that just come in looking for a seat. Thank you. Uh, and so uh, he's, he's he's trying to get himself ready, and uh, everything is is going good, and he gets himself in shape. When the fight's over, uh, Holyfield can't knock him out, but he is battered, he's beat up, his fight. Did anybody see that? I did. He he was a he was a beat up old boxer, but they couldn't take him down. He was too tough. He was too strong, and. So when it was over, uh, he, he smiled real big like he always does. His eyes were already closed, and now he smiles them all the way closed, you know. And uh, if you've never seen him, he just smiles all the time. And so they talk to him when, when it's over, and uh, he's all beat up. He's told him how he's going to fight. Now the fight's over. He loses on a, a unanimous decision, and uh, he, he takes his whipping like a man, And when it's over, they said, Well, now, George, you're a man of faith. And he said, Oh, yeah, I'm a man of faith. And they said, well, how could you make yourself go 12 rounds with, with the likes of Evander Holyfield, the, the beast of a man that, that hits with such force and such speed and such power? And I mean, he just, he commands respect just by walking into the ring. He said, well, what do you do? And he said, well, he said, I, you know, I, I just go in there and give it my best. And right in the middle of that interview, a very unique thing happened, and, and you you should be able to go see a video of that interview, they said, how, how, how did you, how, what was your game plan and, and you being such a Christian man and such a kind man, how, how do you go in with the mindset of knocking another man's head off? Yeah, how do you do that? You claim to be a spirit-filled man, Mr. George Foreman, how, how do you go in and, and not have hate and bitterness and, and, and aggressive? He smiled real big and George, and in his deep southern voice, he said, hits him in Jesus' name. See, here's the thing. He understood even when I go to work, I go in Jesus' name. If my work is to fight, then I fight in Jesus' name. If it's my job to love, you know what? When I kiss my wife, I do it in Jesus' name. She's a gift to me. If when my children were home and I corrected them, I corrected them in Jesus' name. They were gifts to me. The Bible said everything you do in word or deed, do in the name of Jesus. Folks, that's not all that hard to understand. We should live by his name. We should live according to his name. Woo, Constantine. And his people came back from the words of Jesus in 28 and 19 of Matthew. Go, you therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. The name. Father's not a name. How many fathers are in the building? How many sons are in the building? How many of you are filled with the Spirit? Everybody's filled with some kind of spirit. So, but you have a name. If you're in the crowd of a million people and somebody says, help me, Father, if you know your kids are there, everybody's going to look. But the day that they put you in the ground and make their way to a lawyer's office once the will and testament has been read, And again, for there to be a new will and a new testament, there has to be a testator. For that to happen, somebody's got to die. Who died? So everything that was given from his death was given in his name. See, I got three daughters. If I have anything when I die, their names will be on that and it don't matter how many of the rest of the world shows up if they don't have that name they're not going to inherit what I died to leave them oh You want to be sure to inherit the eternal life where Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place that where I am, you may be also mansions with walls of jasper and streets of gold and gates of pearl. You want to inherit what he's given out? You better have a name when the will's read. The title of being a father is not going to be good enough. The title of being a son. Come on, somebody give me a title besides those three. Somebody give me a title. What is God? Lord, Savior, there you go, the door, the rock, Father, Counselor, King, Who? Healer, wait a minute, y'all getting all this out of the Bible? Do you say all that when you pray? When you get in a bind, are you saying 320 plus titles of God or do you know his name? I'm thankful that in a split second, I don't have to have some prepared prayer ready, but I can say in the name of Jesus. I often wonder why people will call on his name in prayer but won't call on his name in water baptism. Why will we stick our hand out for a blessing in his name? But we don't want to pray in his name. We don't want to follow in his name. I wonder sometimes. We'll save these clothes for later. If I start preaching now, they'll be wet. But you know what? I want to make sure that I obey what Jesus said. I want, I want to do exactly what Matthew 28 and 19 said. Sister, Sister Carla, can you put that up again? Jesus said, in your King James Version, this would be red letter Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We do that here. That's exactly how I baptize. Just like that, right there. But the one key word right there is name. Because the Father has a name, the Son has a name, the Holy Ghost has a name, the door has a name. The cornerstone has a name. The rock has a name. The nail has a name. The witness has a name. The judge has a name. The alpha has a name. The omega has a name. The beginning has a name. The one that was has a name. The one that is has a name. The one that is to come has a name. The vine has a name. The bright and morning star has a name. The root of David has a name. The lily of the valley has a name. The rose of Sharon has a name. The hope of glory has a name. The judge has a name. The witness has a name. The I'm glad I don't have to call all that out in baptism. I'm glad I don't have to call it all out to get his attention. He's got one name and his name is Jesus Christ. It's revealed to us from Genesis to Revelation. Woo, Isaiah said, He shall be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. You see, after 400 years of silence at the end of the Old Testament, no prophet spoke, no axe head swam, no fowl flew, no 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 fish swam, rather, and no axe head swam. If you know some of the old things that happened in the Old Testament, nothing was going down that was miraculous for 400 years. So all of a sudden, here comes Jesus, and all of a sudden, the revelation of Isaiah says, God with us. Jesus said he was the father of creation. We've already read it once. If you, may, if you missed the first two, go back and listen. But he said, before Abraham was, I am. When Saul, the hater of Christians and the murderer and the conspirator to murder, was knocked down off of his horse and was blinded on the road, he he recognized the Spirit because he knew the Old Testament God, but he couldn't make a connection. What good could come out of Nazareth? Could Jesus really be God in the flesh, the express image, the heartbeat of the Old Testament Spirit that he knew so well? And when he fell off the horse, he felt the Holy Ghost ghost or if you will the spirit of God from the Old Testament and he recognized and he looked towards heaven with his blinded eyes and he said Lord who art thou and the Bible said a voice came from heaven and said I am Jesus whom thou persecutest Jesus wasn't standing there in the flesh he had ascended back into heaven and the Holy Ghost was speaking now I'll go so far as to say, and we might, we might touch a little of this later. But later on, when the apostles and disciples were on up after, after a good uh, missionary trip, and they were up and some people came that had been following John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. One of the reasons he's called John the Baptizer is because his experience before his death stopped at the baptistry. He didn't go any further than that. He wasn't there. Watch. The apostle saw some people that were followers of John. The Bible said they were disciples. And he looked at them. They told him who they were. And he said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, We know not whether there be any Holy Ghost. See, revival had not come to their part of town yet. And so this sparks the next question. The apostle says, Then how were you baptized? And they said, Well, we were baptized unto John's baptism. He said, Well, John just baptized you merely unto repentance. Nothing more. You just got in the water and said, I repent of my sins and you were dunked. He said, Y'all need to be rebaptized. Watch. He said, what do you mean? He said, y'all need to be rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible said that day they were baptized in the name of Jesus and the Spirit fell and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on. And I'll tell you why they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Because if you've ever had God in debt, you've got him in debt when you follow The message that Peter preached in Acts 2 and verse 37. When he got through preaching, here's what happened. When they heard this, that's the message he just preached in the experience of Pentecost where the spirit fell. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Watch what Peter's response is. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized every one of you in the titles, in the name. He's following exactly what Jesus told him to do. But now he knows the name. (laughs) In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Suddenly there is a promise. If you'll repent, that's a true turning away, and you'll be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. All of a sudden, right there at that comma, you've got God in a situation where if he's ever owed you anything, it would be right here. I've repented, I've taken on your name in water baptism, totally submerged, I've been buried. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is why he ran into those guys and said, then how were you baptized? And they said, unto John. He said, oh, he just baptized you under repentance, under forgiveness. But I need to baptize you in the name of Jesus. And as soon as they were all baptized, they were filled You see, I don't know any Christian people that don't believe to go to heaven, you got to be spirit-led. I don't know any. I don't know anybody that claims to be a Christian, a generic believer. I don't know any of them. Not one. Not, Not myself. Not anybody else. My family. Nobody. I don't know anybody that believes you can go to heaven without the help of the spirit. So, with that being so clear, how effective is it then to cause people to believe in a bunch of different ways to receive the Spirit? You're not going to make anybody believe you don't need it. So, you're going to create this big eternal debate on how to get it. There's the message. If you can find another message of salvation in the New Testament, I will preach it. It's not there. People say, well, I've read in Romans. The Bible says it's like 10 and 11, 11 and 10. Those that believe on the name of the Lord, the same shall be saved. You got to go read the word. First of all, that's pulled out of context. Next thing is the Bible said those that believe will obey. To love him is to obey him. What did he say do? He said repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord. It doesn't just mean, oh, okay, I believe in him. I'm done. I'm done. Why build churches? Why have missionaries? Why get dressed and go to church? Why change your lifestyle? If you believe in the Lord, just go out and be a drunk. Party like an animal. No, because when you're filled with the Spirit, there's more to salvation than just believing. Because that's the main step. Once you believe, then you'll know how to repent. You'll know how to be baptized. And once you're led of the Spirit, the Bible said the Holy Ghost, nothing else. Not a preacher, not a pastor, not a priest, nobody. The Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you in all truth. So I'm going to tell you the truth don't stop right there. There's more to it. After that, we learn how to live a life that's separate and pure from a messed up and sick, perverted world. But until you get the Holy Ghost... Oh, let's stand. You don't have the power or the ability to change your life. Amen. That's right. Everything you do in word and deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm going to be praying about that fourth lesson because there's still some, some eyes wide open. But somebody hear me right now. The name of the Father, Jesus declared. We, we covered it in the last two weeks. He said, I am the Father of creation. Before the world, before the foundations were there, I was there. Jesus said that. He said, I was there. And he said, I will be the one coming back. We read right there, and I, 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 I glazed over it real quick. I'm one minute late. Listen to this. We read where the Bible said God was going to return after his sheep as a good shepherd. Jesus said, I will return with my reward in my hand. And I'll place my feet on the tops of the mountains. And I will call my bride unto me on that great and terrible day. So is God coming back or is Jesus coming back? Both all answers are correct because these three are one let's give the Lord a great hand clap I love you God bless you you're the best we're going to have a great time at 11 o'clock and a good meal after that